0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you
1: did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
0: I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Mike Massimino, welcome back. It's great to have you.
2: Bill, uh, always a pleasure, whether we're on your on your television show or your podcast. It's yeah, I,
0: to I love talking. You make space easy. You make it exciting. And that's why I love to talk to you, especially given the events of this past week, Mike. And that's, that's why I've got you back. By way of introduction, you're an, you're an astronaut. You're a professor at Columbia University. Uh, you're connected with the Intrepid Air and Space Museum here in New York City. And you've got a podcast called Two Funny Astronauts.
2: That's right, Bill. But just just as our disclaimer is, we are not we are not claiming to be funny people. We are just funny for astronauts. So hold <laughs> us to that
0: standard. Okay, bar. All right, noted on that. Scale of one to ten. How did you rate the Bezos event?
2: Uh, well, I'm kind of an optimist. I, I would say it's uh, it's it's. I would my my first reaction is that it's a ten. I thought it was great, but you know this is. Maybe a nine. I don't know if we could. I, I thought it was. I thought it was really great. I thought there were a lot of good things about it. Um, the, the launch was was terrific. Uh, I, I it, you know they've done this fifteen times before, including once uh, back in December of 2019. My, my students at Columbia had a payload on board, a biomedical payload. You know, you're only getting you know a few minutes of zero gravity, but still, you can learn some things from that. And I think this is certainly something that will lead to more. And the crew he had with him, I was I was really excited to see Wally Funko. I think that is the great that's the story within the story. You know, the whole thing about being one of the Mercury 13 uh, uh, women who, who were looked at as possible astronauts and not able to be considered that much further because of the rules were you had to be a combat uh, high performance jet test pilot back then, which was restricted to men. And they have her go up at her at her age now, so all these years later, I I thought that was a great. Yeah, she's eighty two. Be excited about. Have you met her, Mike? No, I never have. I I I really would love to, though. Man, she seems like she's a she's a real hoot. She'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Uh, So uh, no, I've never met her though. Well,
0: I saw a story where she said she was underwhelmed. And she gave the flight two stars. So, uh, how many stars? uh, Two, (laughs) which I assume is out of five. Which in my book is less than a C grade.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, the the thing is, is that she was, she was invited to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe, maybe if she would have paid for it, she would have given it five. Uh, (laughs) Because you know, sometimes, ah, you know. Because I think, you know, if you pay that much money, you're going to want to come back with a five. But, um, well, wow, that's interesting. What, what was her comment I on think was-
0: I think her expectation was different. She was yeah. thinking that she would see this brilliant blue orb in the distance. And based <laughs> yeah. on how high they went, what, 62 miles, still suborbital, yeah. right? But it's yeah. not high enough to put Earth uh, really in the rearview mirror. And I, I know you understand yeah. that because you've been there.
2: Yeah, you've got to get far away for that. Uh, where the space station is is 250 miles, and where I was at Hubble's 350. And at Hubble, you can you can see the curve of the planet, but it still takes up your field of view. For it to be in the rearview mirror, you got to be on your way to the moon, really, uh, further away for, for that even. But yeah, that's 62 miles. You don't get the same perspective um, that you do at a at a higher at a higher altitude, of course. Mm-hmm. You no, know, like when you're in, you're in orbit but uh anyway she she gave know. it you she know, gave I'm it so-
0: two stars which is probably <laughs> yeah. less than the restaurant you're going to eat at tonight down the street. Uh Mike yeah. I I I want to get a sense of like where we are perhaps where we're going with this. I, I'm fascinated by it. you know it's um, through our relationship over the past several years, and I, I know you're just yeah. such an expert on it. But l- let's take it one at a time, and let's begin with Bezos. Space tourism is his thing, right? Suborbital erb, uh, orbit, rather, for now. Um, four minutes, zero gravity. Sounds great. I'd love to do it. I would raise my hand and do it in a heartbeat if I could. Uh, big windows on this capsule, and that seemed to be yeah. like one of his selling points. I uh, t- To you, does that matter, by the way, as an astronaut? Yeah.
2: No, I think that's really important. You know, uh, you want a window. You want, and it's for morale uh, and to be, to be able to observe, and for sci- for scientific reasons. On on the space station, there are the cupola, which is a very big window area um, on the space station, and on the shuttle, we had some pretty big windows to look out of as well. But you want that. You want to be able to take pictures and observe for even for scientific reasons, uh, but also for morale. And and that, that's what you're going up there for and that's part of the motivation for any astronaut whether even if you're a professional astronaut doing your job up there but especially for someone who's going up there uh, to enjoy the view you want a view and so i i think that 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 i love those windows i was able to sit in a mock up a couple years ago of the spaceship and and i just love the windows that 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 thing is designed for people to enjoy uh even if it's only a few minutes to enjoy it to the to the fullest
0: mm-hmm. so you were in a mock up of new shepherd the capsule yes what do you, yes, I was at a think?
2: conference. Be- Jess Bezos has uh, like a tech conference that I was invited to for four years, I guess, in a row until COVID hit, and so we skipped uh, uh, these these past two these past two springs. But um, but he's had I, I saw a Blue Origin rocket there. Um, he always had kind of like a, a Blue Origin station there, sort of, you know, what the latest was and some other interesting things that he'd done you know in automation robotics and and um artificial intelligence but certainly blue origin and his space interests were represented there and and they did have a mock-up there i think it was three years ago and we were allowed to go inside and and uh and and sit in the seats mm. and they, they at least get a feel for what it was like and I, I
0: was w- mike were, and the, the w- were you impressed or or not so much
2: no i was i i think it is it is designed to enjoy that type of ride uh that you're you're in a in a comfy seat or as comfortable as you can be in a good position to take the G-forces. And you can look out the window. You can see out the window the whole time, which is what your experience is going to be, is mainly visual. Uh, uh, you know, you do get to float around, so there's room to do that in there. Uh, and you do get to experience the launch, which is quite, quite exciting. And the entry as well. But you're also able to watch it the whole time. You do have a window seat, yeah. and then and, and you can, when you unstrap, you're able to get to that window and enjoy the view.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting, I, right? Because he's he's going to sell seats, and one of yeah. the selling points will be, I'm mean, just listening to your account, will be the perspective you'll have because of the size of the window. And I think it's it's roughly three feet by two feet um, in in front of you on board that capsule.
2: Yeah, that's big for a window. Your windows are. are or uh, uh, kind of hard and uh, to, to do and interesting and, and, and a bit more expensive than not having a window because you have to, it has to withstand uh, launch loads. It has to withstand a lot of heat. Uh, it has to be ready. It has to be radiation protected so that you don't get ultraviolet rays that might be coming into you when you're above the, uh, above the, above the atmosphere. So the bigger the window, the more the expense and the, the the complexity of it, believe it or not. So windows aren't necessarily the easiest thing to have as opposed to, to not having a window there and just having the you know the skin of the spacecraft. No. So um but so no I think I think it's it's great. I d I don't know of any windows that are bigger than that on any of these other spaceships. So that's Mm. definitely an an advantage that they would, they would provide.
0: So let's move to object number two, Richard Branson, two weeks ago, right? He used a plane to get to high altitude, then launched this, what I call a rocket ship that takes you up Mm -hmm. to roughly 60 miles, give or take less than what Bezos did to suborbital space and zero gravity experience. Do you prefer that over Bezos or not necessarily?
2: I think, I think, Bill, I think each, each of those have their own advantages. Um, with with Bezos from the launch pad, uh, he, he's he's very. It's very automated. It's almost like I do really want to call this this, but it's almost like an amusement park ride. Well, you get on. Someone from the ground is operating it. Uh, you launch without really not much training. I don't I don't think just some emergency training. I'm sure, but you're not flying that vehicle, and you come back close to where you launched. And then you, there's a, a very good abort system on there that they tested three times previously. That if, if something's going on with the, with the booster that you don't like, that, that uh, crew, uh, spacecraft, the capsule, the cabin can separate and come back in the parachute. And they've tried that in different configurations. It seems really robust and safe. And uh, the, if you continue along what he's planning to do, you build bigger rockets like he's building New Glenn. And you can get yourself to orbit with a similar system. And the rocket, the booster comes back and lands and very close by, put fuel in it and launch it again. With Branson, he's not tied to a um, to a launch pad. He has he's he has needs he needs a runway, but runways can be anywhere, right? We have runways all over our planet. So theoretically, you could launch that thing from anywhere, and you can land it anywhere. You need a big enough runway, but we have plenty of runways that would that would accommodate that the, the this 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 system he has. And that means that you can get to different inclinations of, of orbits. You can go to different places with when, when your launch pad kind of dictates the range of inclinations. Inclination is the angle that you have with if you're going to orbit, let's say. And uh, neither of these guys are going to orbit right now. But but when you if you're looking at trying to get to orbit, the, the where you are on the on the planet uh your, it dictates how high north you can get how much energy it takes to get to a more northerly orbit um and you, it's dictated by that spot you're launching from so if you can move the launch pad theoretically by going to any any runway you can go to different inclinations different orbits more easily with that so that's an advantage there it lands on a runway which like which provides those those advantages i mentioned but you also need someone to fly the thing and those pilots flying both the mothership that took the spacecraft up and flying that spacecraft are highly trained test pilots. One of them, C.J. Sturkow, who has flown into space twice in the, out of the four flights that they've had with people on board with Virgin, he was on two of the test flights. Uh, he is a former astronaut, marine uh, test pilot, uh, commander of the space shuttle, good friend of mine, great guy. But he's a really uh, well-trained, highly qualified person. So it's not just showing up and getting inside on that one. Yeah, for the passengers, it might be, but you do need someone to, uh, to fly the vehicle which is a little bit different than what you have with the, with the mm. Bezos model. So I think so, each has its yeah,
0: Is Some give and take based on that answer and, and yeah. each one. Before I get to Elon Musk, you mentioned the amount of prep they gave uh, for the Bezos thing. I was stunned by this. I mean, you're an astronaut. You're in school. <laughs> you're training every day, yeah. week after week, maybe month after month. They had 14 hours of prep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, which I think basically is okay, guys. Here's where you sit. Here's where you buckle right. up. And if something goes wrong, well, then I'm, you're on your own.
2: Yeah, but if something goes wrong, the automated systems are probably pretty reliable. I mean, something can always happen, but I think the you know the the advantage of the autom- I know you wanted to, we were going to get to Elon Musk, but when, when when he that that spacecraft that they fly SpaceX. Uh, is highly automated. And when they first started proposing this, and since it was a NASA contract and it was taking astronauts to the space station, we were involved uh, fairly heavily uh, with that, um, looking at requirements. And since it was so automated, there was some concern about automating so much of it. And we still wanted the the astronauts and the NASA astronauts or the astronauts from the professional astronauts, let's say that working for governments, um, to be able to do something to interact with the vehicle in case of emergency but what uh, what we found was is that the automated system is actually in some in most cases more reliable than people hmm. and there's a greater chance of messing up with a person even if they're highly trained so there is some advantages to all that all that automation um that they have the, i think the advantage that might not be obvious is as you mentioned the 14 hours that it took you're gonna probably need more you need a lot more than that for the spacex vehicle but but in general, having less time to, to be re- required to train to fly the vehicle, you can concentrate on other things. Bill, looking back at the space shuttle, for example, it was amazing the amount of training it took to fly that vehicle. The qualified test pilots that we had, we had the best pilots in the world, uh, you can argue that. But in my opinion, the best test pilots we had in the, in the world from, uh, from our country and other countries would would be trained to fly that vehicle uh thousands of practice approaches thousands of hours in a simulator even me i was not a pilot even me as a crew member to help out i had so much training on just working the systems how to fly the vehicle mainly for emergency situations intense training a huge amount of workload uh months and months and months when you were assigned to a flight You still needed, even that you were fully trained, you still needed at least a year to a year and a half to get ready just to have all this stuff fresh in your head. And it was stuff, Bill, that probably wasn't going to happen because all those emergency scenarios of landing uh, across the ocean in North Africa or Southern Europe or the emergency landings up the East Coast or returning to the launch site, all that stuff that we practiced over and over again never happened. It never happened. Either we we had a good day or a bad day occasionally there were situations where they had to shut an engine down and things things occurred but most of that training was never really used it was just a just in case um now with these more automated vehicles even if you're a professional astronaut there may be more to know than what you're doing if you're going to go on the blue origin spaceship but certainly you can use your time and your training time to to concentrate on other things like your spacewalks and experiments and working the robot arm and everything else that's part of the space flight And the training time goes down, and that's what also drives the cost down. It opens us up, up to more people. So uh, I think it's a good thing that these uh, vehicles are becoming more automated. we got to be careful with it. But I think overall it, there, there's a lot of advantages to it.
0: Yeah, very interesting answer, Mike. And I'm, I'm, what's escaped our conversation is just the dangers of doing it in the first place. Because we have made yeah. it look easy, and I, I, frankly, I think a lot of people from the outside look in and think, "Well, this is, this is a no-brainer now," and it's not.
2: No, anytime you know, anytime you have uh, powered flight, which means you're on top of a rocket, and we call it, you know the minutes on the space shuttle it was eight and a half minutes, and it's about eight and a half minutes going to orbit on uh, on any vehicle if you're going to a, to an orbital uh, on an orb- or to go orbit going orbit those eight and a half minutes or of the whatever, how many minutes, I think it was three or four minutes. They were on powered flight for this, for this, um, suborbital flight. You're, you're at the mercy of that vehicle working. And there are th- certain things you can do to train the shuttle. We didn't have many options. We had to wait until the solid rockets went away. And we either would, if we had an issue, we would try to bail out, uh, or, or that would be the worst case or try to make it to a landing strip somewhere with the shuttle yeah you know, th- and in this case, the the abort systems is much better. It's similar to what they have on the Soyuz. and we did have an abort where uh, where we had to abort a flight. It was about two or three years ago, uh, more like three years ago, where they aborted a, a flight to the space station on the Soyuz, but they the crew survived. Uh, they got away from the, the from the from the uh, booster and no problem. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the case with these vehicles as well. but still, you know you're still when, when you have a rocket burning underneath you, it takes a lot of energy to leave the planet. Lot less to go to suborbit than to go to suborbital than to go to orbit, but still quite amount of power and, and, and energy. Mm-hmm. And something can go wrong when you're dealing with stuff like that. But sure. uh, but I think they are they are making it as safe as possible. Yeah. I, I think I think they're gonna be okay.
0: So I see uh, Elon Musk now. Um I see a lot of comparisons between what he is doing and what Bezos is doing. And I, I did not really Understand or appreciate that until the other day, but in general, and just a broad generalization here, Musk is using larger rockets for deeper space voyage. Um, would that be accurate?
2: That's what his goal is. Yeah, I think he's he stated that um, that uh, he's interested in going beyond low Earth orbit. Uh, he he was providing uh, well, he was also working with NASA. Whereas uh, Bezos, it appears, was funded uh, primarily from people buying tickets. And, and uh, Jeff Bezos, I'm sorry, Br- what did I say? Branson was, was uh, on Virgin Galactic funded by people buying tickets, I think, to a large extent. And I'm sure his own money as well was put up. Uh, and Jeff Bezos, again, thanked that during his press conference, thank all the Amazon employees <laughs> and everyone that uses Amazon because they funded Blue Origin. Uh, and, He's not uh, wrong. He's not wrong, man. So I well, the taxpayers funded all my flights. So thank you for that. You know, it's just a different source of money. I guess we're all paying eventually. <laughs> but uh, but what Elon Musk has done is he has gotten uh, a lot of government contracts from NASA and uh, to fly cargo to the International Space Station and now flying people to the International Space Station. So he went right to orbit. Unlike these other guys that are doing these suborbital flights, he wanted to go to orbit and and responded to that. To that uh, commercial contract, commercial crew contract that NASA put out toward the end of the of the uh, space shuttle program, Uh, so he's been very successful with that. But he has his sights going on much further journeys, going to uh, going to Mars. He would really like to leave the uh, the the local area here, even beyond where the moon is. You know, getting away from orbiting the planet and putting people uh, in a completely different orbit. Uh, to a place like well, Mars would be the would be the goal for that. Mm. So yeah, I think he has much much different uh, goals. Although I think Jeff Bezos would like to do the same, but he uh, seems to be a little bit more methodical about it, taking smaller steps to get there.
0: Interesting, huh? You know, we had w- well over two million people on Fox watch that launch the other day. That's a big number, uh, Mike. And I, I just wonder if we're coming into a new. Golden age of space, and I'll let you answer that in a moment, okay? But first, this break on Hammer Time.
1: Back with Mike
0: Massimino, terrific guy, astronaut, Columbia University, intrepid, and the host of his own podcast called Two Funny Astronauts. So, pressure's on. You set the bar high when you call yourself funny, Mike.
2: <laughs> I know, <laughs> but, but remember, <laughs> we're only funny for astronauts. Not I, the regular I,
0: people. Noted. Yeah. I got you that. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a moment ago more than two million people. There was a lot of curiosity on whether or not this can happen, and it is a very dramatic moment. But here is what I, I did not understand until I started doing a lot of reading this past week. Bezos started this company, Blue Origin. 21 years ago in the year 2000 Hmm. and he allowed very little media coverage but his rocket landed as we saw for reuse and I didn't know that because um, I didn't know Bezos was working on that and he did not allow a lot of people to see that meanwhile Musk has been landing rockets on ships in the Pacific trying to get the balance just right and he would put it on video And release it to the public something bezos and blue origin i don't think really did very much or if at all the point is musk has been more open about his project but both have been working on the about the same aspect of reusable rockets which in the end make space flight cheaper
2: yeah no absolutely i think you got it right it's interesting about the spacex part of it though bill because he was working on a government contract to NASA, right? So that's public money, right? That's that's mm-hmm. our taxpayers' money, uh, and uh, maybe that's why I don't know. That's a, it's a good question, but typically when the government is doing something like that, uh, they have the um, the responsibility to, or at least at NASA, we always felt this way, and that's what NASA is. You know, it's if something's a DoD. Project where it's classified, maybe it's different. But for commercial for civilian space programs, which is what NASA is, we we more or less owed the the taxpayer uh, kind of an appraisal of how it's going. And so all of our photos at NASA are public domain, and our videos are public domain that that we did while we were in, you know while, while people do that, uh, you know the, all the stuff that comes down from the space station and all the the photos and so on. So. I, I you know, very little, uh, very little that is not. Where so I think maybe that's part of it too. Is that with um, with Elon Musk, uh, may, maybe that's that's why is because a lot of that was NASA stuff, or, or it could be uh, that it is more of a, a, a marketing difference in it. But Jeff, be- you know, and, and their approach to it. But Jeff Bezos, yeah, it's true. He has been a little less quiet, not necessarily searching out the the, uh, the limelight in this until the what he, I think what he felt the time was right. And uh, once he was really sure that he could put people on his spaceship successfully, um, he did set up that that one seat for auction and gave one away to Wally and uh, Wally Funk and invited his brother to come along. And it made it quite a media spectacle. As you were saying, I think you mentioned two million people watching uh, watching on your network alone. You know, know, that's what that's the way he did it. So maybe it's just different different approaches. Different marketing strategies, different culture, different yeah. personalities—probably all mixed up on how people want to approach this. Mm-hmm.
0: A couple more questions for you, Mike. Really appreciate your time too. By the way, I was talking with my sure. team earlier today. I said I'm going to talk to Massimino. I said I got all these <laughs> questions about like where we're going with space. You know, given the Bezos yeah. experience this past week, and one of my producers said, "Why would I go to on a, on a space vacation? There's no pool and there's no bar." <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I thought, well, there might be a bar, but there's definitely not a pool. Um, yeah. it, it was sarcasm to a degree, but I think it drives at a fundamental question. Why do people want to do this, Mike?
2: Um, I think there are different reasons. I think um, I can answer in my own case. Uh, I watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon and Jeff Bezos. I think it might be a year or two younger than I am, but we're around the same age. And I, and that had a big Influence on him, I know that because he's he's told me that that um, he is a big. That's why he calls his his this this rocket ship New Shepard uh, because it it mimics uh, Alan Shepard's flight, the first American in space. His n- orbital vehicle is named New Glenn after John Glenn. His lander on the moon is gonna be, is called New Armstrong after New Ar- Neil Armstrong. And the reusability aspect of this, I think, hit home with him. He he told me this that. He saw those those rockets, those boosters going into the moon, land in the ocean to never be used again, and um, it bothered him that they threw that stuff away. He actually, on his own dime, um, went out with treasure hunters. He, uh, you know, he commissioned treasure hunters to go out and recovered on his own money. He recovered a lot of those boosters and rocket engines from the Apollo days at the bottom of the ocean and gave them away to museums, and he, I think he's still refurbishing those that he's recovered. So he's, he's seen this. It's been, and I, so I bring that in because I think that's some of the passion I had. I, I, I saw that happen. I saw Neil Armstrong walk on the moon and I idolized those astronauts. And More than that, I felt like the most important thing we could do was explore space, that that's where the future is. That's where our, our we are headed as, as people. Um, that's where the answers to the big questions are. Where do we come from? How do we take care of this planet properly? Where do we go next? It's all there. And so for me, I wanted to be firsthand part of that and experience it. And that's why I wanted to go. I think other people, there may, there may be, they may be different, different reasons. Why I think some people are just thrill seekers and they're looking for that next thrill. I am not a thrill seeker, Bill. I, I uh, you know, I have no, I have no need to jump out of an airplane unless it's on fire. I'm not, you know, I'm <laughs> staying inside. Uh, I would never do anything like that. And, and I, I, I I don't consider myself a thrill seeker, but I think a lot of people are looking for that ultimate experience. And I don't think there can be anything cooler to do than fly in space. I think it is the coolest things—the coolest thing people can do is fly in space. That's just my opinion. But it's such an extraordinary opportunity to do that. I think just from the sheer sure experience of it, I think there's interest there. And I think there's other interest too. I think some people want to do it uh, to represent um, a cause that they're interested in. What Wally Funk did by going, I think, is where awareness for how we've how we've so long how we've come from what what, what was available to women to young to young ladies young young girls when they're young what they could grow up to be and I think I think having Wally Funk there ways could raise an awareness of that people want to go up to raise awareness about different charities There's going to be this, this flight coming up this inspiration flight that's on a SpaceX vehicle is is I think trying to raise awareness for St Jude's Hop St Jude's Hospital. There's going to be research reasons to go there as well people can do experiments uh make new discoveries it's it's there's different reasons to go yeah. and I think that not everyone wants to go uh I would say probably most people who are walking around the planet now probably don't want to go but you even mentioned to me you would go in a heartbeat you, you said mm-hmm. you know you you're whatever reasons you might have so I think that not everyone's going to want to go that's true but I think enough people do. And I think that once you see that, it's possible. If you think that something is beyond your reach, you know, you're not like, why am I even going to bother? You know, I, you know, I I think a lot of people feel that way. And in some ways I felt like that trying to become an astronaut because it was near impossible to get through that selection process was so competitive. And I never thought I'd be able to do that successfully, but I knew I at least wanted to try and it worked out and it was great. You know, my dream came true. I think now, hopefully, with the access being opened up. And of course, it's going to cost a lot of money at first. You know, it's only going to be open to the very rich. But hopefully that price will come down so that more people can go and experience it and be a part of this for whatever reason they may have. And I think when that opportunity is open... I think the creativity of people are going to flow of how they could use that experience to make the world a better place. it's wow, a
0: great so answer. That's, really, that's that's, I that's quite thoughtful. I, I would do it initially because I kind of am a thrill seeker. But I, I think the experience itself, though, would would change me and yes. I would come back and I would think about it, I, I would understand it in a different way. Mike.
2: Yep. I think you're. it gives you a different perspective. Yeah.
0: But initially, I would would want to feel zero G and I'd want to feel the thrust of the engines and, you know, strap it on and let's go. I'm going to ask you the big question about where we are in 20 years in a moment here, but I wanted to get, did you hear Bezos talk about what he would do in the future with pollution and sending it to space? I don't know if you caught it or not. I don't know what yeah. it means, but he was talking about, hey, big ideas sometimes take decades to happen. But he mentioned it. He brought it up. What what is this idea about taking Earth pollution and sending it up into space?
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure if that's uh, that. I I heard him say that, and I, and when I, my reaction to that bill is like, wow, I don't know how you would do that. But if anybody can figure that out, it's like one of these really smart entrepreneur guys. Because they see the world a little bit differently, um, certainly than than I do. And I think most of us do maybe. And and he knows how to put people together to do some pretty amazing things uh, in his different businesses and ideas that he's created. So I think having him turn his attention to space travel and to this problem of figuring out solutions to our planet that our planet needs by utilizing space. How you do that, I don't have any idea. I'm not sure if he knows mm. 100% right now, but, he, but he, I think he knows how to put a team together, and he has the vision to make things, and the resources <laughs> to make things like that possible. And wouldn't that be great? And that's what, you know, a lot of the space program, too, is not about going other places. It's about making, making our planet better. And uh, I think it's wonderful that mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be trying to do, do that. And I would not doubt anything that he or any of these other guys these other entrepreneurs who are in space, you know, Branson or, or Elon Musk, anything that they say, I don't, I don't. They're very credible. You know, they they are able to deliver and try uh, in in amazing amazing ways to to get things done. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be great if he turns his attention to somehow cleaning up our planet. By utilizing space to do that, I right?
0: think the one thing the, these three men have in common—they they challenge their companies with their own ideas to go ahead and try and succeed. I mean, that, that's pretty evident, right? Yeah. I mean, Bezos clearly did oh, yeah. that with Amazon, et cetera, and we'll see whether or not your package comes next with a drone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he would—he would like that to happen. Final question here, yeah. Mike, and terrific conversation with you, by the way. It's twenty twenty one can you see where we are in 2041 20, 20 years from now and where this is going
2: well i i hope that each one of these companies that we've talked about and other in other companies of as well um are, uh, are are more and more successful so what i would love to see in 2021 if you look at branson's i don't know what what i really don't know what his business plan is but I would really love it if they, if he had a, 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 a you know he's a he's on an airline right so all it's right. kind of a transportation guy and a cruise line I think too if I'm if I'm right on that but again people places on the planet I would love to see it that we could um, get on one of these rocket planes and go coast to coast in minutes <laughs> if we could or just uh, giving a faster ways to get around our planet that might be again really expensive but hopefully that hope these hope the prices for all these things have come down But I hope we're able to travel places more easily and efficiently and hopefully doesn't cost too much. Um, And I hope that access to space for those who want to experience on a a suborbital level, the price has really dropped and that that it's anyone who wants to go can go maybe for the price of a really expensive vacation. Let's 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 put it there that whatever that means to people. And then I, I really hope that we are uh, doing things more commercially in space, that it's not just a government in low Earth orbit. There's another company called Axiom, which is going to be having private astronaut missions, including one coming up. I think it's either going to be end of this year. I think it's might more likely to, uh, early uh, next year uh, where people have paid a, a whole lot of money to launch on SpaceX, the International Space Station. So I hope that there's a commercial space station 20 years from now that's thriving in orbit. Uh, and I hope we have an operation on the moon. I hope that uh, one of these guys has figured out how to do that, where we can have tourism, uh, research, and also some sort of industrial economic benefit, uh, energy being uh, being cultivated from the moon as well. So I hope we're back there to stay 20 years from now. I hope there's a moon base that's operational. And maybe by then, uh, either we are have have people who have been to Mars or we're very close to getting people uh, on Mars. Wow, that long. How's about to say
0: you think within five years we're on the red planet? And I, based on that answer, we're not.
2: I don't think so. I, I think that, that that's still, I mean, if Elon Musk says we're going to do it, uh, I wouldn't doubt him. But, I, you know, I think that's a, a, a bit of a way off. I, I think we, in my opinion, I think... Uh, And who knows what's going to happen? So whatever I say is, and it's very unlikely that it'll actually happen. But I I could see us getting back to the moon and learning how to exist on a planetary surface uh, on the moon. It was just different. We've had people on space station for 20 years, not the same people. We switch them out, but we've had a human presence on the space station for over 20 years. So we know how to put people in space for six months to a year. We know how to deal with a a long duration space flight uh, in zero gravity. But the moon is a little bit is different. There's a little bit of gravity, like there will be on Mars. There's also dust and rocks and things like that. And you're further away on the moon, but nowhere near as far away as you are um, on Mars. On the moon, you know, on, on low Earth orbit, on my missions, I'd say if we said Houston, we have a problem, you're going to almost instantaneously in a you know a second, you'll you'll get a response. On the moon, you say Houston, we have a problem, and with about a three seconds uh, delay, you'll say you know you'll get a response. On Mars. You'll say Houston, we have a problem, and 20 to 30 minutes later, someone's going to say, "Oh, what was that?" And, and so it's no way it, it, there's there's no way to get that quick communication, that quick help. You're going to need to be really independent uh, on Mars, and you're a long way away. And I. No, I don't think five years from now, I'd be I'd be really surprised mm. if we're if we're able to put people on Mars within five years. So I then you, you the moon within five years is doable. Yeah. And then I think once we do that, I think it'll speed up our our timeline to Mars. You need that's a loo-
0: you need idea. a lunar colony or a lunar lunar base. I think before so, yes. you go very
2: deep, that's kind of I think the moon is our playground. You know, we it, it's in orbit with us around the sun. It's in a different orbit. It takes a lot of power to get there. We haven't had people there in over fifty years, right? Or close to that. Like whenever, close to fifty years. 50, 52 years ago, the first one. We just celebrated that anniversary a couple of days ago, which Jeff Bezos uh, chose for his yeah. launch day. But it's not. You know, it's hard enough to get there. We haven't been there in fifty years, right? So uh, it's it's, and we were just there for a visit. So I think going back there and settling there and uh the moon again it's a day and a half voyage it's always with us whereas with mars there's only certain times where we can get there because that's when our planets when the orbits are going to be close enough to each other that the timing is right and that's the shortest time to get there is about six months and that's when our planets are closest to each other because we're in we're in different different orbits. You know, we go around the sun at, at you know they, we're not necessarily aligned in a in a configuration where we can get there expeditiously. And even expeditiously means at least at least six months. And then you're going to be there for a while to to do your exploration. And then you're going to have to wait for the planets to align again to for, so you can come back. And so you're looking at a minimum of, of around a two year journey. And that's a long time to be away from home. When you're so far away from help, I think speaking to to the Apollo astronauts, that's the thing that that uh, that I didn't I don't think I appreciated as much Uh, hearing their, you know, hearing talking to them uh, about their experiences that they were still in close contact with the control center. And a lot of people have seen the movie Apollo 13. Right. So, you know, how important that control center is. When there's a problem and uh, when when you're that far away from help and it's not just the distance, it's the communication time. You cannot you cannot you use the control center in that way to solve a problem quickly. You're going to have to be independent and that adds a whole layer of complexity that uh, may not be obvious. You no, know. yeah.
0: thank you, Mike. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Well done. Mike Massimino, astronaut, Columbia University, the Intrepid, and the host of Two Funny Astronauts. Check out his podcast, too. Mike, thank you. Have a terrific weekend, and we will speak again very soon.
2: Bill, it's always uh, always great to spend time with you, and thanks for your interest, and I hope to see you in person soon.
0: Right on. Yeah, you bet. All right, buddy. Th- Thanks for the journey. Mike Massimino. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time.